Kickstarter kickoff proudly presented by the Double Deuce Roadhouse in Jasper, Missouri. A mean scene. Blood on the floor every night. A toilet worse than the one you worked in Dayton. It's the Double Deuce Roadhouse. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and The Jump. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is... David Avalone, uh, screenwriter, comic book writer, drunken reprobate. And non-screamer. Uh, if you missed any of our <laughs> if you missed any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Cecil Castellucci, John Lehman, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So uh, double on back and check it all out. Um, Avalone, before we get into our uh, our guest for today, our show, our party, uh, I have a quick plug uh, right at the, uh, the top. Um, issue two of my Kick You in the Teeth astral projection thriller uh, titled The Jump uh, is now available on Kickstarter. Uh, if you go to uh, kickstarter.com and search the jump or my name, Ryland Grant, or if you go to bit.ly backslash the jump two, it'll take you right there. And uh, uh, it's a great campaign. We have all sorts of uh, uh, crazy goodies there. Uh, you can get anything and everything Ryland Grant there, including uh, signed copies of Aberrant, Fanjax, The Peacekeepers, my, my whole catalog. So uh, go check that out. And uh, we will be talking about uh, it and uh, Kickstarter a whole lot more today. So why don't we bring our guests on and I get into that. I'm just glad that it's kick you in the teeth of all of the places that I, like I have a good dentist. I don't want to be kicked anywhere else necessarily. That sounds very painful. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm careful about where I kick you. Oriana Leckert and Gabe Chang. Hello. Our guest today. Hello, Oriana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I am the Director of Publishing and Comics Outreach at Kickstarter. I am also a writer, editor, and a cultural historian. <clears throat> I wrote a book a few years ago um, chronicling underground art spaces uh, and other historical pursuits around Brooklyn. Nice. It's a great Very word. Historical nice. is an incredible word. I love it. And Gabe? I am Gabe Chang, writer, podcaster, pizza enthusiast. I currently have a comic book Kickstarter going on right now called Into the Wilderness. It's a, uh, a one-shot spinoff of my other comic for Molly, which you can also get as uh, one of the free rewards as part of the part of the Kickstarter. So, uh, and happy to be here. My, uh, Homer Simpson, smiling politely. <laughs> we won't ask you to smash any pumpkins. <laughs> um, I have to ask before we start, Ariana, where in, are you from Brooklyn? Why, why Brooklyn? I'm not from here. I'm from Northern Virginia, but I've oh. been here for... Uh, long enough that it ages me to tell you. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I'm a journalist. I started my sort of journalistic career writing about underground arts. Um, mm. And in the the sort of like nascent 2010s, I felt like there was a some kind of sort of cultural revolution happening in Brooklyn, and I wanted you know there to be a record of it. Uh, sure. You know, I'm not I'm not myself a, a fire spinner or a circus performer or any of those sorts of things. But what I you know what I was able to add to the community is writing about it. Um, sure. So yeah, my book's called my book is called Brooklyn Spaces. Um, it's still available as a small press book. Very nice. My mother was born in Flatbush. So cool. Brooklyn, is, Brooklyn is near and dear to my heart. And I was born in Jersey and spent a great deal of my childhood on the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, 
uh, heading over to see uh, various uh, various Weinstein's. Nice. My so mother's family is from Queens, so I yeah. do have a New York connection more so than As, uh, assorted Weinstein's. Uh, so today, the today's food for thought, today's kickoff topic. Anyone who's listened to the show knows that uh, Ryland and I are big users of and cheerleaders for Kickstarter. We talk about it a lot. It comes up a lot. So we thought it was about time to do a show about Kickstarter itself, where it's at right now, how it's integrated into the whole comic book community. So for starters, Ariana, how are comic book projects doing on Kickstarter these days? I'm so glad you asked. I even have <laughs> some stats that I can talk to you about. The answer is uh, comics on Kickstarter are going great. It is a completely insanely good time to be doing comics on Kickstarter. And we could talk, or I'm sure you know you guys already know and your listeners about the sort of like industry trends that have led to that. Um, mm -hmm. But I will give just like a real top line um, <clears throat> summary of what's happened over the last year. Uh, as you can imagine, COVID had some very serious effects on our platform. So just a year ago, when all of this was making its way to the US, um, launch projects plummeted on Kickstarter, which makes sense. You know, our platform is only for creative projects. So when you look around and everyone you know has just lost their day job and their night job and their side hustle, it might not be the best time to go asking folks to support your whimsical literary endeavors um, mm -hmm. or creative endeavors of any type. So the spring, we kind of went into a tailspin, but then in the summer and through the fall, things really just like rocketed up. Um, some thoughts about why that is, you know, certainly everybody was at home and bored and looking for new things to read and look at. Um, everybody was extremely online. So it was suddenly a lot easier to find the folks to let them know about your live campaign. Um, and I think, although obviously there are a tremendous number of people who are really suffering, um, for those of us who achieved some sort of relative stability, I think a lot of people found themselves with a chunk of disposable income, this is certainly true for me, that I'm accustomed to spending on museums and concerts and you know various other cultural endeavors, which I'm overjoyed to throw at creative works. So we kind of just finished our accounting. Chris Arant at Games Radar wrote a great piece um, last week, uh, which is unofficially subtitled, Kickstarter Comics Made How Much in 2020? Um, <laughs> The 2020 was our best year ever by a mile. In fact, yeah. for publishing and comics and games on Kickstarter, 2020 was the best year ever. Publishing and comics both brought in $10 million more last year than the previous best year. Wow. Um, and the really coolest thing is that the success rate in comics right now is unbelievable. This is what I pulled this up for. Uh, the success rate in 2020 was 74%, which wow. is more wow. than double the wow. site average. <laughs> really? So, I didn't know. So, so basically you're saying that the the average across the board on Kickstarter for failure is like 30, 40%? Well, okay. Or, so actually that was such a, that was such a nice setup. I can now, I'll share my very favorite statistic about Kickstarter. This is not yeah. just comics. This is Kickstarter overall. Um, yeah. If you add up all the projects and all the categories across the 11 years, this company has been active. The success rate is averages like 38%. It's like the high thirties. Um, 
If you look instead at only projects that have at least 25 backers, the success rate leaps up into the 70s kind of sure. across the site. So, you know, what that means, there's uh, a long tradition in Kickstarter of people kind of like derping out a campaign and just waiting to be showered with magical internet money. Um, right. You set those people aside, you know, 25 backers, 25 backers is like, it's just a little bigger than your mom and your best friend and the folks who are kind of like obligated, like the bar mitzvah crowd, um, as my uncle yeah. called it. Uh, exactly. So you can get kind of just beyond that. If you're taking your campaign seriously, if you are running it well, know what you're doing, your chances of success are in fact quite high. Right. Right. I think that's the first time I've heard derp used as a verb. So like <laughs> derping, derping out your campaign. No, and you definitely see those campaigns where you can go, this person didn't think hard about this at all. And uh, Gabe, did you have a campaign in 2020? I feel like you did. I did. I had two. So it was uh, the the most campaigns that I had done. So I'm, I'm glad to say that they were they were both successful. And, um, you know, I, I had planned to do it um, in, in the spring before this all happened, before the whole COVID thing happened. And to be completely honest, I like, I maybe spent a day or so like reconsidering it and thinking about postponing. Um, and eventually like maybe even less than that time, I, I just was like, you know what, if, uh, if I go for it and it doesn't, it doesn't hit, then the only thing I lose is time. And, you know, that's actually more valuable, uh, you know, losing time is uh, is worse than uh, not losing money on Kickstarter because then you just do it again um, and try to do it better. Just, you know, um, uh, so anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I did find a lot of success on Kickstarter last year. It was my um, uh, fourth and fifth campaign mm -hmm. that I've ever done. So I've been building up a little bit of momentum over the last couple of years, but I still got more backers on my uh my formali campaign um than i had in um my previous two campaigns combined and then i had a really good um smaller campaign for on my love at first bite campaign which was a smaller comic and for a smaller goal um and but still like way exceeded my expectations so i, I had a very good year on kickstarter last year well i yeah and i mean it's I'm funny because, go ahead. <laughs> i just saying thanks for bringing your projects Oh yeah, I, I um, and I've got three planned for this year. So this this one that's going on right now included. Yeah, I I, I finally got uh, uh dragged into the uh, the the Kickstarter ocean. Uh, uh, you know, last year, I mean, around the same time you're talking about. I mean, uh, um, it was uh, it was last summer, um, and you know, things had kind of uh, uh, you know, sort of nosedived all around us. Um, and I had been kind of flirting with Kickstarter and circling with Kickstarter for about two years. Um, I mean, you know, Avalon, you know me pretty well. I don't do anything kind of half-assed. And so, right. um, I was, you know, I didn't want to put up a campaign that, that wasn't going to be really well-planned, really well-orchestrated. And, um, I have this, um, you know, I, 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 I have the, the luxury of having an invitation from like every, you know, con that I go to, all these Southern California cons to put up a panel whenever I want to essentially. Um, uh, and so, um, I sort of used that to my advantage. Um, I didn't know Kickstarter backwards and forwards, um, and I was going to learn as much as I could about it before putting up a campaign. And so um, I went to the people at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and I said, hey, um, I want to do a Kickstarter panel and I'm going to find five of the best people that I know at Kickstarter 
put them up in front of a crowd of 150 people and just pick their brains. Every question I have, I'm going to learn how to do a Kickstarter by picking their brains in front of an audience. Um, and so I did that probably, I don't know, eight or 10 times before I ever ran a Kickstarter campaign and just kind of like, you know, honed my tools and stole everything I possibly could from these people sure. who were really good at it. And then they kind of became my cheerleaders. Um, and, and, you know, every time I would run into Charlie Stickney who, who, you know, did white ash on, uh, on Kickstarter and, you know, uh, that book was a massive success and he would always be like, you gotta do one, you gotta do one, you gotta do one. And, um, and so finally it was Charlie who came to me, um, in the middle of this, you know, COVID craziness. Um, and Charlie finally comes to me and he's like, look, I just talked to the people at Kickstarter. Um, there are fewer comic projects on there than ever before. Uh, uh, they're, they're, you know, they, they, you know, they're asking for, for content right now. He's like, but the number of backers has not, you know, has not ticked down one. Um, so the same number of people are there crazy for comics, uh, and they don't have any projects to put in front of them. He's like, so if you're ever going to do it, you got to do it now. And, um, and those and people that, that was, go to the comic book stores right now. That was the other, yeah, that was yeah. the other factor in this summer. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. And so, and so I went for it and, and it was even like, you know, Charlie was just, you know, he like took me into the shallow end first. He's like, look, just, just get on there. Just start building your campaign. You don't even have to launch it, you know, but then you get on and it's almost like a video game. It's like so addictive. You're just kind of putting the campaign together and you're, and you're, you're thinking through this. I'm talking to Charlie about that. And then suddenly it becomes this, this thing. Right. And yeah, so, so I launched last, uh, you know, my, my first campaign was June of, of last year um, for the jump. Number one issue two is available now on Kickstarter. Um, and, uh, yeah, we did, um, we did over $15,000 on one issue, uh, in that first campaign. It was, uh, I, I just, just blew me away. Um, you know, we were, I think we asked for seven, we got 15. It was just a, it was a frenzy. It was, uh, you know, it was, um, and, uh, and, and it was awesome. And, it, and, you know, I, I mean, I wonder like if I had, if I had launched the same campaign a year earlier, I wonder if it would have been as successful. I mean, I certainly would not have known as much about the platform as I did when I launched. Um, and it was kind of right place, right time. Um, but as far as I can tell now, I'm, I'm, I'm now launching my, my third campaign. Uh, um, I launched it, uh, we're recording this before I launch it, but it will air two days after I launch it. So, um, now having just launched my third campaign, um, it doesn't seem like the momentum has slowed down at all. It seems like the, you know, the, the, the people on Kickstarter, the backers are just as, uh, they're just as kind of ravenous for, for great content. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, again, they, it, it's like Oriana said, it's not like they can go to the movies even now or, or, or a mm -hmm. restaurant or, and there's only, only so much delivery food that you can, you can handle. Right. So you have this disposable income and, and, and you have great content on there. I mean, the, the, the that's the other thing that's happened is that, um, um, uh, people are realizing that Kickstarter is such an, there's such an amazing opportunity for creators there. Um, we were talking about this a little bit uh, offline. Um, you know, it, we as creators, we, we don't make any money publishing comics in, uh, in, in comic shops, right? Um, uh, a lot of times these are labors of love. It can cost you $15,000 uh, as a creator to get your, to get art done on your, um, on your, your, your graphic novel. Right. Um, and then it goes into, uh, uh, you know, a comic shop, like best case scenario. And even if it sells well, like you're, 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 you're not, you know, you're not recouping that money. Um, uh, and, and, and that's kind of hard to swallow. However, if you, if you make a lights out graphic novel and take it to Kickstarter, you can recoup that money very back very quickly and more. You can actually, you know, for something that you spend months, years of your life, uh, uh, pouring your heart and soul into, 
uh, you can actually make a dollar or two on Kickstarter uh, doing this. It can, it can actually become a job. Um, and that is like wonderful to me. And I think everyone is realizing it. Um, and you know, it's why, uh, you know, it's why I'm now having to elbow the, uh, the Keanu Reeves and the, uh, the boom studios out of the way and the Elvira's out of the way, David Avalone. The thing I always say about famous people using Kickstarter, uh, cause I made him, my first Kickstarter campaign was 2012 or 13. I can't remember. I produced a movie and we raised $100,000 on Kickstarter, and then we got, because we had, the great thing about Kickstarter for movies is that it's easy to get money to make movies when you have money already. We were able to get real world investors because we went, look, we've got a hundred grand and we can make the movie for a hundred grand. If you give us another 30 grand, we can maybe hire better actors and have better locations and sets. And we got more money that way. Uh, but the thing I always say, I always use the example of even the great artists of this world who we think are massive financial successes, movies are very expensive. And unless you're one of the five richest filmmakers in the world, you can't reach into your pocket and go, here's $20 million that I'm going to make a feature film with. Uh, it's very, and, and it's a giant risk and you can lose your house and filmmakers have lost their houses over the years. The thing I always say to people when they say people like Keanu Reeves shouldn't use Kickstarter is if Kickstarter had existed in the seventies, Orson Welles would have made five more movies. There would be five more Orson Welles movies. If Kickstarter had existed in 1980, Last Temptation of Christ would have been made in 1980 and it would have starred Robert De Niro and Barbara Hershey would have been the right age. You know, there, there's, the, it would have greatly, if Fellini would have made another dozen movies if there'd been Kickstarter and he would have owned them and he wouldn't have been cheated out of his profits by Dino De Laurentiis his entire life. You know, that's to me the argument for it. I don't think anyone should be upset about people with money, people with careers going, but I want the freedom to do this exactly the way that I want to do this. And, uh, and that's what we did with our movie. And then, I don't know, three, four years ago, I did my first comics Kickstarter. And yes, I had Kevin Eastman as my partner and that's a huge fan base. And they came out and we made $107,000 on a, a 80 page graphic novel. Um, we did a second one that did very well, though COVID has slowed us up getting it out. Uh, and last year we did the Elvira and it wasn't my campaign, it was Dynamite's campaign, but that made $166,000 for a 40 page book uh, because her fans are her fans <laughs> and they love her and they follow her. And you know, the thing that happened with the Eastman book, which I, I don't know how many people have done this, is it made it super easy having the financial success of Kickstarter. We were able to put it in previews and put it in comic book stores because there was no risk we could take the risk of printing as ever many copies as were ordered from previews and lose, like, we didn't make a lot of money on every issue of it. Um, but that would have been, if we had if we had done it just as a mainstream comic out in comic, and it was, a you know, Drawing Blood is a challenging, you know, artistic, it's not funny animals fighting crime. You know, it's not, uh, it's not the thing Eastman's, uh, audience wants the most from him, but uh, it did okay. But if we hadn't, 
if it hadn't been financed by Kickstarter, it would have been a giant financial failure. And we would have lost, you know, Kevin would have lost his house if we, if he had financed it out of his pocket and we had just sold, you know, 4,000 copies in comic book stores. Uh, I don't think people realize that's another thing about it is I don't think people realize how razor thin the margins of comic books in comic book stores are, you know, publish a comic sometime, <laughs> deal with a printer and deal with diamond and then go, Oh, you did need a hundred thousand dollars to do that. Holy shit. That's a lot of, a lot of money just goes to things you have no control over. And, uh, and Kickstarter just completely changes that math and allows you to be able to do the artistic project. Kevin had been wanting to do Drawing Blood literally since 2005. It's a project that, and we tried to, we took it to various publishers and got offers that I was like, let's go to the fans, man. <laughs> like, let's not, yeah. that's, uh, like, you know, what people, and that's the other thing that I tell people not to discourage them, but I'm like, Working with traditional publishers, if I told you the deal they offered the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you think you're going to do better and make more money, yikes. <laughs> you know, like, uh, that's, if that guy can't get a good deal from a major comic book company, you know, what are, what are your odds? Uh, I can't remember who said it, but, and Oriana, you can back me up on the, on the numbers of this, but someone said that if, Kickstarter were considered a single publisher, it would be the third largest comics publisher, if not the largest. Do you know where that stands nowadays? I don't have data like that, but I would like to get it. That's a yeah. good Because <laughs> I think, I can't remember, some comic book writer friend of mine said they did the math and they were like, if you do the output, the yearly output of comics in people's hands from Kickstarter and the number of titles and the number of successful titles, uh, they don't get canceled because they're not selling in comic book stores. You end up with a higher number than certainly Dark Horse, Image, IDW, Dynamite, any of those guys. You know, there still isn't, I don't know, I mean, Berserker could probably change that, but there isn't a Star Wars or a Batman at Kickstarter quite yet. Uh, but there's certainly the the possibility of that existing. I do, I can tell you that there were uh, 1,700 58 successful comics projects last year. Okay. That's like slightly more. It usually, the average, it's like 1,200, mm. 1,300. It's been ticking up uh, over the last five years. But yeah, I mean, that's that's how many successful campaigns there were. And, and, of course, it's, been a, and it's been a steady climb. There hasn't been a down year, right, since it started. You know, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, Um we got a comics was broken out as a separate category. It looks like in 2011. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's been increasing nicely. I have a question ahead. about um, all the people that have come to the platform since the berserker and, and the bigger campaigns last year. Like, are you guys seeing that those people that, and maybe you don't have this data, but those people that made those users um, and contributed to those campaigns, are they coming back? Like you're getting like um, somebody that started um, uh, started their account last year. Are they um, still still participating, still logging in this year, all all the way after however long it's been since those big campaigns? Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you asked me that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have the data is not like in the specific way that you're describing it. Um, but we actually 
this is backer behavior is very different in, in different categories on Kickstarter. And so in comics, particularly, we did do a little bit of a study around Berserker. Um, when these huge blockbuster campaigns happen, it brings a tremendous number of first time backers to the site. And yes, they do stay like this is That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a if you look at a category, even like publishing, which should be kind of analog, there was also a big blockbuster publishing project. There were several, but um, Brandon Sanderson, who's a fantasy writer, raised five million dollars on Kickstarter last year. Yeah. Um, and the backer behavior there, it was there were definitely like first time backers becoming repeat backers, but not nearly as many as in comics, which if you think about it, first of all, publishing is a far more expansive category, right? I mean, it's sure. Certainly not just books, let alone not just fantasy books. So if you've come for a leather-bound edition of a specific fantasy series, even if you are inclined to stay and sort of look around on the site, it's not necessarily true that you'll find something else that you like right away. Whereas if you are, you know, if you come in for the most violent man in the world who travels through time with his with his violence, you're going to find oh, I got to write that down. That's a good idea. Yeah. Find some other things that yeah. appeal exactly right that. sensibilities right away. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, and that's one of the things, you know, the barrier to creating the profile is walking in the store. If you haven't walked in the store, you're not going to see anything that's in the store. If Keanu Reeves gets you in the store, I don't care that that's what got you in the store. You're in the store. Now you have a membership. <clears throat> It's easy to buy things. It's easy to keep buying things. That's there's just there's no way that's not a net positive uh, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's really great. I I mean that was one of my concerns with that big boom that was happening was like, are these going to just be people like like I bought a uh, I bought a desk from Walmart like ten years ago and I've never been back to a Walmart. So like, are these <laughs> going to be people that that buy one thing and then and then never really come back to the platform? But if the if it's not happening, then that's fantastic. Well, and I'd love to. I was actually going to make a point like along just along those lines because um, you're not going to buy another desk from Walmart because the desk you got was surely garbage. Whereas like, <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Creators are doing, I mean, this is, there's like a, a compact, you know, uh, between backers and creators, right? So like, if someone comes for the first time, and they have a wonderful experience, and they, right. you know, get well communicated with, they eventually receive the creative output that they helped bring into the world, they feel, you know, delighted by that journey and excited by the item, like, that's what's also going to make them keep backing. It isn't just oh, there's other things that look like this thing, you know, like in our design and tech categories, the there's a sort of cliff for backer trust because a lot of those projects are very ambitious and there's enough, not that there's that many like overall, but there are enough really high profile flameouts that, you yeah. know, then those backers who came for the first time swear off Kickstarter forever. So it is in fact also down mm -hmm. to incredible comics creators making wonderful work and fulfilling, you know, the promises they make to their backers that yeah. sort of keeps this cycle moving along so well. I have, well, I think uh, that, uh, no, go ahead. Uh, I think that like one of the best things about jumping in on Kickstarter and people ask me as I do Kickstarters, like why Kickstarter, why not another platform? It's like, well, I think that the community is just so great on Kickstarter because yeah, yeah. of that covenant that you're talking about of like um, people love to contribute. People love to see projects succeed, love to see people succeed on Kickstarter. And that 
And that puts an accountability on the creator to create a good project, to, um, to fulfill the expectations of the people that, that back them, um, sometimes for hundreds or, you know, multiple thousands of dollars or whatever it is. And it's like, and that, that is a cycle that feeds itself where it's like, okay, like when it's a cycle of trust, it's a cycle of, of accountability. It's a cycle of, of agency too. And, and forward momentum, which is something that you were talking about earlier, Ryland, where it's like the power of momentum, um, is, is really, it's like riding a wave right now on Kickstarter. And it's really, it's really great as far as, um, uh, usability of the platform, um, as far as like ease of, of use and just like, um, I guess I've been using the word accountability too much, but like, it's just like, it's, it's a good platform and it's, um, it's responsive and it's, and it's easy for people to use and easy and, and people trust it. And you're, well, and, you're for, not, for, and you're not platforming the Nazis, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, that's Got that going for you. Unlike certain I mean, under other crowdfunding sites that are less discriminating about whose filth and garbage that they let put a, put a thing on there. Um, and you know, there is a, there are communities within communities and I've, it's almost comical, you know, I support a lot of the creators I know and we all support each other. And a lot of us give like a digital copy of the first issue of our comic for perks for the other guy's campaign. And there are comics, like I've received Banjax number one about a hundred times from different, you know, from di as, as bonus <laughs> yeah. material from there. I was like, yeah, yeah. no, I already, I already have that one. Um, but it's There's a- definitely I like, a kickstart behavior of, artist standing in a circle passing the same twenty dollars around yeah no absolutely. <laughs> but but it's a it's a good feeling when i back a campaign and i get the campaign email and then the recommendations i'm all like got it good friend good reminder on that one and oh there's my comic you know like that the it the the it's a good uh what's the word it's a it's a great biosphere of yeah. artists and, and creators. And once you're in it, uh, I always tell people that the great thing about backing Kickstarters, and I back a lot of them, is I frequently forget. To me, it's like I've subscribed to a publisher as a mystery box. And I've told the publisher what writers and artists I like. And about once every two, three weeks, I get a box in the mail and I open, I'm like, oh yeah, this thing, I remember, oh, for Molly, right. I backed that a month ago, this is great. It's it's a subscription to a comic book publisher that I frequently forget I what I bought and who I looked at and you know I just love getting the the comics and then of course when you I, get I, them you take beautiful pictures and you tweet about them and you Instagram oh, absolutely contribute to this sort of like uh, rising tide lifting all the boats on oh, absolutely and off. absolutely yeah I mean the the the, the thing I uh, David I I love the um I love the getting people in the store uh, uh, visual because um, it's the thing that strikes me about Kickstarter is that I don't know, once you get a comic nerd in that store and they're not all in that store, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's what you realize in the beginning because I was a guy who came from traditional publishing. Right. And, um, and I'm like, well, people already buy my comics, right? Like, you know, they can just go to a comic shop and get them, but there are people that, exclusively buy their comics in a comic shop and there are people that exclusively buy their comics on kickstarter and there is overlap of course but not nearly as much as we think and so there is this entire you know rabid audience over here on kickstarter and i think that now if you are a creator and you're not serving both audiences you're doing yourself and you're doing your title 
a big disservice. So, so I think that's one of the things. However, these these comic nerds who kind of who, who haven't been in the Kickstarter store yet that, that that are kind of just trapped in the in the comic shop. I think once we get them over here, they their their mind is blown because it is a like premium up-leveled experience, right? It's like, you, you know, you go to a comic shop, you can get one of these, right? That, that's what's there. Um, if you happen to be at a con where I'm at, I might put a signature on here. But if you go to Kickstarter, um, you know, it, it, I mean, it, 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 it always blows people's minds. Like, what do you mean? Like, I can get a one-hour Skype session with you? What do you mean? Like, that artist that I love uh, uh, will, will do a commission for me? Anything goes. Um, I can get original art from the book. Um, I can actually be drawn into the book. You, <laughs> you mean you could put my face on a cover and then send me a printed copy of the comic book? Like, like where there's no comic shop in the world, no con in the world where you can get that. Um, and, um, and you know, I mean, I, I'm every, every campaign that I look at, I am, I'm always stunned by something. Oh my God. I never thought of that. That's awesome. I need to steal yeah. that. Um, and, um, and you know, Gabe hit it right on the head where it is this, um, the fan experience is, is so wonderful there that, that that's what was so rewarding and enriching for me was, um, I had for more than a few years put books out in comic shops and um and you put it out there and it's almost kind of like shouting into the grand canyon you know you you don't hear much back like you might you might get some tweets from somebody hey love this or whatever and of course your friends are always kind of your cheerleaders um and then of course when i would do a con you have people come up to the table or, or hit you after a panel or whatever and that's nice but with kickstarter it was immediate and ever present if you if, if you mm -hmm. do something right they are shouting from the rooftops and and and, and they love it you do something wrong you're going to hear about it immediately also yeah. um but it was this collaborative experience it's like with my with my first campaign i had you know 300 plus collaborators on the book and we were all kind of making it together and and i was you know what what do you want to see um uh uh how can we improve this experience and and they, they were on it you know, when um when I first did the put you on a cover uh, uh, tiers that were very popular with the jump, I think we did like 10 of them or something like that. Um, uh, you know, printing is like a, a an odd monster. Right. And so uh, so I had never even thought that, oh, well, maybe we could put somebody's picture on a physical copy of the book and send it to somebody like that. It, it, you know, it, you try to switch up covers with printers and it gets very difficult and very crazy. So. Really, it was like, okay, well, as you see this cover image, we will, you know, we'll put you on the cover and then we'll send you a beautiful digital file. We'll send you a print. Uh, you know, if you want to turn the, if you want to turn that digital file into a, a 24 by 36 uh, poster and hang it on your wall, uh, it, you know, in your man cave or whatever, great. Um, and that was great for some people and some people like that. But we, we heard from a couple of people being like, man, if you could put me on an actual issue, like I, I would, I would back that in, in a second. I'd get, I'd get put on three copies, you know, three different covers. Um, and so then I was like, okay, well, I guess now I have to do this. Right. And so I spent the better part of a day calling different printers being like, Hey, this is what we want to do for our Kickstarter backers. Can you make this work in an affordable way? And I finally found one that would do it. And I went back to the backers and I'm like, look, uh, they say for an extra $10, $20, whatever it was, we can do this and give you, <clears throat> give you a physical issue with yourself, you know, with you printed on it, is this something you're interested in? And it was like, absolutely, you know, sign me up. You know, we, we, we have 10 people signed up for it overnight and then, it, and then it moves on. And so it's like, 
it's it's interesting because it's like you're you know it's not just about creating the book it's about creating this whole publishing experience and this way to kind of experience the book and to to put people in the book and um it is like this magical fan creator interaction that's going on there and 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 you know not everyone knows about it and yeah. so i think when you when, when you get somebody new in that store they're not going to leave because like they yeah. just they there's stuff going on here that blows minds you know it, it's the it's, uh, yeah it's the very 21st century thing and it's the attraction of twitter it's the attraction of instagram to a certain degree i learned the first website i ever did video for the ceo of our company who was a popular starlet went into the message boards and talked to every single member of the site and you know even if it was just hey how are you thanks for joining whatever but that gave them a feeling of connection and ownership and investment and that's a completely new thing in human culture where everyone is the pope dealing with michelangelo you know what i mean you don't have to be pope to tell michelangelo what to paint you can tell that you can be nobody and tell Michelangelo for 20 bucks, I get my face on a character on page 20 of your comic. And Michelangelo goes, sure, we'll draw you in, no problem. That's a very unique and special relationship. And those people literally never forget you. And yeah. what they will, we offered some things that are like, ah, no one's gonna, uh, no one's gonna want that. Uh, one of the gags in Drawing Blood is that the main character may or may not end up in prison at the end of the story. And we offered people letters from Shane Bookman from prison. And I promised to like, I didn't just write a, uh, I didn't just write a, 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 you know, a form letter and plug names into it. I literally wrote a slightly different letter. We got 60 backers. It was, we were trying to goose ourselves over <laughs> a, we were trying to goose ourselves over a, a, what's the word, a stretch goal. And we're like, eh, make it a $20 add on and no. And I was like, no one's going to go for that. And we're like, oh, that's 60 to a hundred requests for it. And I was like, really? Well, and also, that's such a good indicator. Like it helps you understand your fans totally. as a creator, you know, it helps you figure out, Oh, well that's, I wouldn't have guessed that that's the thing they actually wanted. And then I'm sure you work that into your strategy going forward. Yeah. But, and but that's you what's know, crazy. And and then you uh, think about it and you go, well, as a teenage Star Trek fan, if Paramount had said for an extra 25 bucks, Captain Kirk is going write, to write you a personal letter, I would have gone, oh, yeah, send me my personal letter on Starfleet Station. I, I literally made fake, you know, federal correctional uh, facility uh, stationery that we printed out and put the letters on it and all that. But like, yeah, they, they loved it and they have those. And, you know, the key to all good perks is it's flat and it's not heavy. So it goes it goes in the box with the comic book without adding a nickel to the printing the the shipping and all of that. Yeah, I mean I I'm kind of I'm I'm different from from David and Ryland a little bit where I I didn't have any published titles before I came to Kickstarter so I'm kind of starting from you know starting out on Kickstarter doing the whole the whole uh, punk rock thing where I'm I'm trying to to do from come into comics from that direction and it's it, it was mind blowing when somebody that wasn't you know the, as you said ariana the, the bar mitzvah crowd of, of my personal circle like like gave a huge amount for um and was a background my kickstarter i was like whoa like cool like i i've really i've offered something or i've said something or or something or my 
collaboration with my artists has has really resonated with somebody. And that was such a validating and gratifying experience. Yeah. Well, it's like I used to, you know, help promote my wife's burlesque shows uh, back when she had a, a burlesque troupe for about a dozen years. And I always said to her, success is when you look out in the audience and you don't recognize anybody. When you don't see a single face in the audience that's like, oh, there's, you know, there, you know, it's like, nope, just a bunch of people who like the show, not your friend. I mean, it's great to have support from your friends and we all start out that way. We all start out with your buddies giving you money. And you can also, I've noticed this a little bit on our Kickstarters because it was particularly noticeable because uh, we had a part one and part two with, uh, with Drawing Blood. You can be a little bit of the victim of your own success. The second book, my friends pretty much sat out because they're like, he made $120,000 last time. He doesn't need my 20 bucks. Yeah. And he made more on the second campaign with fewer backers. Well, that's why my, my second Kickstarter actually failed was because I was expecting the same kind of groundswell from, from friends and family and, and mm -hmm. it didn't happen, you know, and, and they were still very supportive, but it was like, um, all right, I can't, I can't just hit the same note and expect, you know, to play the same song and, and have the same result of that's a terrible music analogy. But, um, but from that, you have to, you know, you learn as much from your failures as you do from your successes. I had to branch out. I had to offer new things. I had to figure out ways to get to, to more people. Um, because yeah, be, because um, I, I really appreciate my friends and family being there at the beginning. Um, but it is all about, you know, a moss growing on a rolling stone or no, that's not, again, I'm terrible with analogies today, but like the idea of, uh, of, of momentum, of building momentum and, um, and kind of getting back to what we were talking about that, like finding out what people want on the platform and, and finding out a way to get it to them. And, and the main thing that they want, of course, is, is good content is a good, is a good comic book, but, you know, it, you know, putting their face on a, on a, on a cover or, or doing a, uh, a custom portrait or, or doing um, uh, or finding a, a really good artist to do a variant cover. So, so things like that are just, are so important. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a very interesting experience. Well, and that's such a good, that's the perfect attitude. You know, you learn more success from your, you learn more from your failures than your successes. I mean, Spike Trotman, who's was one of the pioneers of Kickstarter comics, um, she has said a failed Kickstarter is a dodged bullet. You know, you do, you figure out, <clears throat> okay, so what didn't work? Was I overly ambitious? Do I need to do some more work building up, you know, my audience? Do I need to change the way I'm talking about this? Shift what my rewards are, you know, like it should be, it's an iterative process and like figuring out what didn't work can you know be extremely illuminating to help you yeah. along the road to what does? Yeah, and well, it was it was even, a hard thing. Even, even yeah, go ahead. I just uh, it was a hard thing for me personally because I was uh, I had a I had one book and and it is you know um, I was reading all these marketing things like you know in order to to get the audience that you want you have to know who you are you have to know what the brand is you have to know what it is exactly that you're selling in order to find the people that are going to want what you're selling and I. I didn't really know what I was or um, or what the brand was. And and having that failed Kickstarter was one of the reasons why I had to I had to figure that out or I had to move mm -hmm. that the monopoly car a little bit further down the board to figure on the way to figuring that out um, in order to in order to market more successfully to the people that that were going to eventually buy my book. 
Yeah, e even with the successes, I mean, you, you really need to do some hard accounting. You know, I mean, it, it would have been easy after my first Kickstarter, um, you know, that, that I mean, it, it really, you know, we, we got double what I was hoping for. Um, but I still had to look at it and be like, okay, well, what didn't we do well here? Or what can we do better next time? You know, um, I mean, there were any number of things, but I, I remember looking at the first jump campaign and we didn't we didn't sell, we barely sold any original art. You know, we had these, we had these sketch cards that I thought were great original art from the artist. Uh, and we had these, these commission tiers from, uh, from, I mean, the, um, the, the artist on the jump, uh, the, uh, the artist colorist team, uh, the same artist colorist from, uh, my book Banjax, and they were both nominated for Ringo awards, uh, uh, last year for their work on that. These are, these are great artists and, and, and they come with some cachet. Um, but we weren't selling those tiers, you know, and, and I, it, so, so it's not, it's not a them problem. It's not a problem with the art. It was a problem with how I was presenting it. And right. so I had to take a long look at how we were doing that. And then when we, uh, when we did the peacekeepers campaign, uh, that was the last campaign I did. Um, I had an artist that was not nearly as recognized. Um, and I don't think his art was as clean or, 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 or as pretty as the other art, but because I had, thought so much about how to present it and how to, uh, you know, entice backers with it. We, we sold a ton of original art last, the last go round. And I think when we go into this next, you know, the jump campaign, uh, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll attract even more backers with, with, with those tiers. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I think you have to do that constantly. It's like, you know, you go through a campaign, you got to take it apart, you know, see what works, see what's not squeaking, put it back together again, you know, uh, uh, lube everything up and then run it back out. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, it's the only way you improve, um, you know, when there's, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's the beauty of these things is that if you do it right, you will build every time, you know, I mean, that, that's the beauty of it. I, I saw it with Charlie Stickney where he, he launches his first white ash campaign. Um, and I think he had around 300 backers and, Thirteen thousand dollars, or something like that, and then the second campaign was five hundred backers and seventeen thousand dollars, and um, you know he just he just launched Glarian, which is a White Ash uh, a spinoff, and you know he's got a week left, and he's at thirteen hundred backers and fifty thousand dollars, and and you you know you will your if you do it right, your people will come back every time, and when your people come back, they will attract other people. Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd, right? Um, and that will build and build and build. And, um, and you can kind of, you can build your book into like a, a force of nature on, on Kickstarter. Um, it's not something you can do in a comic shop and, 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 and the kind of fans you get is, is interesting that, you know, th those, that, that couple of years I spent doing, um, doing these Kickstarter panels, trying to, again, just kind of steal information from these people who are good at it. Um, the main takeaway I had from, from that, uh, from, from that experience was not, was not, oh, Kickstarter is a place to go make some money. Um, it was not, oh, this is how you make a Kickstarter. Um, the main revelation was that Kickstarter is the best fan building, fan base building platform out there. It's almost like another social media network, um, but, but, but that actually like, you know, gives back. Um, there is, you, you put a book in a comic shop, people will buy it, they'll like it. Um, but it is not like a diehard, rabid fan. The kind of fan that you end up with on Kickstarter um, is is like a ride or die. I mean, they they will they will buy and support anything you make, everything you do. 
um, uh, uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, they're they're you know they're they they are soldiers in like the fight of your career. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and it just amazes me what um uh you know what they do. I mean, anytime I'm on a podcast, they're there. You know, um uh the the podcast host will be like, you know, I, I you know I can't believe it. We had you know we had a hundred more people listen to this episode than 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 the last five. You know, um and it's it's because the Kickstarter backers because I let them know, hey, I'm going to be on this, and then they come. You know. Uh, uh, they show up for everything. They're wonderful. So it's like, so, so, you know, if you are out there and you're thinking about trying this, the, 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 the money's fine. And of course you, when you sink $15,000 into a comic book, you would like to make that money back. Um, but really what this is, is it is a fan base builder. Um, and, and you, you are writing, you are writing these things for people to read them and to love them and to be affected by them. Um, and there is not a better place to find people like that than on this platform. Well, like I said, it's, it's that it's that personal connection. It's that 21st century, the fan actually thinking they know you and they're connected to you. And some of that is definitely a, an illusion. And some fans definitely will overstep that. And that's fine. And you, you learn how to manage that and you learn how to manage their expectations. The other thing about the failed, you know, even failed tiers within a thing, it's like everything else in commerce. You look at the shelves and you go, well, this thing I asked for too much money. And this thing, which is now an empty shelf, I should have priced that a little higher. That could have, I, I just threw away 500 bucks by making that a $10 item instead of a $15 item or whatever. And you just, you constantly adjust that stuff. Well, I have a question for Oriana about um, uh, kind of along the lines of what you guys are talking about, which is what advice do you give to people at different kind of levels in in their kickstarter journey where it's like a first time person who's coming from uh coming from you know doing their first book um a person that's in like a, a ten thousand dollar range and then a person that's like a charlie stickney that's that's up there in the in the stratosphere like and and whatever tiers you kind of see in between like what what advice do you give them as far as um as far as uh, creating uh, the the best rewards and like doing the best promotions. Um, what what would you say to those people? Well, golly, I mean, <clears throat> um, that's a huge question. So I think first, what I would the, the first thing I would help people to understand is um, how to manage their own expectations. So you know, the average backing on Kickstarter is twenty five dollars. So the first thing that you should do is add up all the people that you think are probably going to back it multiply that by 25 and see where that gets you. If that only gets you, you know, a few hundred dollars and you had five figure aspirations, then you need to either do some more work building your audience or scale back um, the sort of scope of what you're doing. Maybe start with, you know, do a little starter campaign to fund a piece of your journey rather than your whole, you know, epic deluxe box set, etc. cetera. Um, so that's kind of the first thing, like you need to figure out not everybody is self-aware enough to know <laughs> whether they're about to run $500 or a $50,000 campaign. So I think that's really important for any kind of creator is get a sense of where you are and whether the scope of your ambition matches, you know, the possibilities of, um, of your network and your um, base of support. So that's kind of one thing to situate yourself. I think, you know, the best way to figure out stuff like, what are the cool reward tiers and what's the work of running a campaign look like? I always tell people you got to back 10 campaigns, 20 campaigns, just like watch it, you know, sit yep. and like see how, like read through the campaign 
campaigns, obviously, when I have like a consult with somebody, I will try to send them, you know, comp campaigns, which like comp titles and uh, in the publishing world, like here's five people who are either similar levels, similar themes, similar project, like really read closely through like how they've structured it. Look at not just like what are the rewards, but how many people have backed at each tier, read all their backer updates, you know, see how they're like, what is the actual work of the campaign look like? How are they messaging it? How are they, you know, sharing different things at different times? Obviously, you know, whichever social platform you are the best at, follow people who have live campaigns and watch how it works in real time. Um, those are some of the things that I would start yeah. with. I don't know. Is that, does that kind of answer your question? No, absolutely. I think that like um, some of the best advice that I got when I was starting or like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm still kind of starting, but um, uh, was like, uh, know your audience and know what your audience can support, which is essentially what you're saying, which is why I've shifted from doing the, the limited series, doing one issue of a 30 page comic every year to doing uh, trying to do two or three small one shot comics um, a year. Because I know that like as I'm as I'm still building up and still trying to build that audience, that's they can they can support a three thousand or four thousand dollar Kickstarter. I, I I can't put up uh put up a fifty thousand dollar Kickstarter. It's the same thing. I mean, even before Kickstarter happened, you'd hear stories about people that, you know, that got a, a booth at Comic Con and were like uh and put their their comics down on the table. I'm like, here you go, here it is. Like and then just expecting the money to come in and it's like it's right. not you have to you have nobody to nobody has a audience. reason to stop at your table nobody has a reason to pick up your comic book exactly that reason the one thing that you said Ariana that like I harp on this constantly is that comics is a community that's like one of my main themes and Kickstarter is a community and if you start a Kickstarter and you have never given a dime to a Kickstarter campaign how's that going to go for you. You're asking a community to support you and you're not supporting them. And it's just, it's a very simple, it's very simple math. Be a part of the community. And it's, you know, look, on top of everything else, it's a good feeling to help people, you know, on their dream project, you know? So there's, there, there's really no negative aspect to it. And yeah, I can honestly say that the, the comics I've gotten from Kickstarter have been better across the board than like when I randomly pick up a comic from someone's table at a convention because they're nice and I like their art, you know, like the, the quality has generally pitched a little bit higher on, uh, on Kickstarter for me. So, you know, of, no, go ahead. I'm going to say, you know, being part of the community is more than just backing campaigns, which obviously you should, but like one thing that, so I've only been running, I got hired at Kickstarter as a journalism lead, actually, and I've only was promoted to publishing and comics a few months ago. And one of the things that I've been so blown away by is the generosity of the comics creator community. I mean, you talked about mm -hmm. Charlie Stickney a lot. Like, he's on Twitter every day saying, yeah, yeah, you could back my campaign. Here's five other comics campaigns live right now that are cool. And I'm pretty sure, like, they're not all, like, his friends. He's actually, yeah. like on the site looking every day to use mm -hmm. his platform to like lift others up behind him. I've seen uh, Andy Belanger, who's like a indie wrestler in Canada, ran his first campaign. One of the first ones I worked on when I was taking over the comics category. And like, he 
found other people with live campaigns, got in touch with them and coordinated live drawing events with other folks that they live stream together, bringing all of their audiences together. And like, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's really a beautiful community that you like want to be a part of. It's not yeah. sure to like throw 10 bucks here or there. Like it is such a generous and giving and compassionate group. Like it will make you a better artist and a better campaign runner if you're, you know, really interacting with, with the other folks that are doing it. And when the real world gets back to anything like normal, you know, it's also, you know, Charlie Stickney is a perfect example, as is Ryland, as is David Pepos. These are all people I see at cons all the time and end up tabling mm. next to. And it, you know, that community exists in the real world. Uh, not just in the digital world. It's funny when Ryland said he did his first Kickstarter last year, I was like, no, that can't be true. I was like, no, I thought Ryland was doing Kickstarters because he put me on one of those Kickstarter panels three years ago. <laughs> yeah. so I just assumed he had done Kickstarters. Like, no, he was totally taking advantage of the fact that I had done Kickstarters, you know. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great community and I've been nothing but thrilled with uh, the people that I've come in contact with and the people that, you know, I uh, met a comic creator recently, Simon Burks, and, you know, Simon's in Scotland. I don't know when I'll ever meet Simon, but he's a great guy. He puts out great stuff. I backed a couple of his campaigns, you he know. He just launched a new campaign, uh, like, a couple hours ago about yes. memory and Alzheimer's. It looks so lovely. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a really great guy. Um, I met him through the fan base press people who are also a great supportive, uh, a great supportive group. Um, but well, yeah, that's sort of, yeah, I was just going to say that's sort of my, that's my evangelical thing about comics in general is, and it's, I, same thing was true about film, but it was a, a more, a, less of a close knit thing because it's such a big community. Comics is a remarkably small community and a remarkably small world and uh, good acts get noticed and bad acts get noticed. And, you know, it's not a hard thing to make yourself part of that community. And it I really will you know, it's a, I, I agree. I think it's small, but it's kind of also getting bigger all the time. And like, yes. like another, one of the things that is so meaningful for me to work at Kickstarter is that, you know, I, I, I say this to a room full of men, but comics has long been a male dominated, white dominated industry. And what is so thrilling to me every day when I'm looking at the new projects is how queer Kickstarter is, how really diverse Kickstarter is from all kinds of demographic standpoints. Like it is not just a place to kind of join the cool kids club, although you can do that there, um, mm -hmm. but to like, make your own cool kids club and like find, you know, not find the people who are looking for a totally different kind of story. Um, mm -hmm. So I, just find that really well, yeah no I, I and I, I think that's such an important point is um is uh the creative freedom that that you now have because of of i think kickstarter specifically i mean there are a few other factors in it but um you know uh i, w w I we did a show here uh that was called um uh what were we, uh, the creator empowerment era and uh, you know it, it, we we basically ended up talking about kickstarter for another hour um, but we, we saw it in the NBA where there was uh, recently where there was this um, uh, they call it the player empowerment era where, you know, uh, basically, you know, huge stars like LeBron James just woke up and said, you know what, like, I, I'm tired of, of owners uh, controlling um, where I go, uh, who I play with, all these things. We're, we're the stars. We have all the power. We're taking it from you guys. We're, we're going to determine our futures, who we play with, where we go. 
um, they became a bigger part of the puzzle. Um, and, and, and that, that completely like, you know, remade the NBA and into what it is today. And it's wonderful. Um, we are seeing it in comics, um, right now. I mean, it used to be that guys like me, guys like, you know, Avalone, guys like Gabe, we used to have to wait for permission from a publisher, uh, to, to make the comic we want to make. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, um, and you know, the problem is there are what five or six, you know, publishers, <laughs> uh, 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 that mean anything and, and they all do specific things. I mean, we we're, we're seeing that in Hollywood now. I mean, it's the problem. I, I'm, my day job is I, I write movies and TV shows. Um, and you know, I grew up in the Sundance era, you know, I saw Pulp Fiction and I said, I want to do that. That's wonderful. And I came out to LA to make Pulp Fiction. By the time I got out here, they stopped making Pulp Fiction, right? Now, now Hollywood makes like five different kinds of movies. They want them all written the same way. And so I, I, I ended up kind of, you know, I mean, I, I hate being the idiot that complains about uh, about this being his day job, but now I write action movies. And there's nothing wrong with action movies. It beats work and it's a wonderful job, but it's it, but it's not where my my heart and my my soul was, right? It's 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 my day job, whatever. Um, but you know, if I like if I want to make Pulp Fiction right now, I can write it. I can spend a year writing it, but it's never going to get made. I, I I still have to go to a studio and, and wait for permission. I need to wait for somebody to give me ten million dollars to go and and make that movie. It's never going to happen, right? And it used to be. I mean, even you know, even pretty recently, like I had to go and I had to you know ask Dark Horse for permission to make my comic book. Um, and and it's like you're saying, if you did want to tell a queer story, or if you did want to tell a a, a a very personal story or something like that. Um, you know, the, 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 these five publishers, they were not going to greenlight something like that. Um, uh, you know, because whatever, they didn't see an audience for it. Right. But what Kickstarter has proven is that there is a, a, a you know, a, a, an audience that's hungry for those stories. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it was, it, it was, what, it was what Tyler Perry, Perry showed us in film, right. For the longest time, people, Hollywood did not make movies for the African-American community. Right. Um, uh, and, 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 but you have this massive African-American community who, well, we don't see ourselves on, on film ever. Right. And so a guy like Tyler Perry steps up and starts making films that he wants to see. And, and, and they go berserk. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars, right? The guy's, the guy's a billionaire now uh, because he did, he did this simple thing of, oh, oh, well, these people want to see movies also, you know, people like me want to see movies also. And so, what a site like Kickstarter has done is it has given, uh, uh, you know, people that, that are not used to seeing themselves in comics or seeing the kind of stories that they love in comics, a place to go. Um, and there's not just one story or two stories. There are dozens of these stories. Right. And so now if, you know, now if you have a story you want to tell, uh, you will find an audience for it as long as it's good. That's, that's literally the only box you have to check. Just make it good. Just put your heart and soul into it and make it good and people will love you for it and you'll be celebrated for it here. And that's awesome. I mean, uh, um, it also also has the effect, the wider effect on the industry and we're, we're not seeing it as much as we could, but I feel like the wide, the wide uh, range of things you see on Kickstarter also pushes the other publishers into, it pushes them towards that. They see that doing well, you know, look at Mark Russell Snaggletooth. I don't know that that would have been published 10 years ago without a little micro boom in indie comics coming along and making, you know, it's like when the, when the Pulp Fiction era hit, every major studio went, well, we, we need our own in-house indie. 
we need to buy an indie studio and well, well, well it, it happened it happened it happened after tyler perry right every studio yeah. was like oh my god african-american people want to see movies <laughs> you know i mean yeah. it was like it was this is the most basic idiotic like simple obvious thing right but it but it uh you know yeah. I mean, it, no, every every action movie starring a woman that's a giant hit is an outlier somehow yeah oh my god for 30 yeah. years yeah. every single one of them does really uh, well and it's like oh, yeah, yeah, Nikita, yeah. that's just a one-off. It's like how yeah, many but, Fury but, Road but, yeah, before you accept that yeah. Nikita wasn't a one-off? You know, yeah, the, 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 the number really of times in my career that I have tried to write a female-driven action movie and and just had it spiked like a volleyball on my face, um, uh, it, it, it it is sad and it is awful. However, um, you know, I think Hollywood is finally you know, has finally come around, but it took them so long. Right. It, 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 um, uh, and, and, and without, you know, without people going and kind of like, you know, you know, sort of like kicking their way through the door like this, mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, it doesn't happen like that, you know? Um, but, it, it, but, but it is great that, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of all comers on Kickstarter and I, 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 I love it. I mean, I, I, I love that it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's new worlds and new voices and um uh you know it's not all you walk into a comic shop and and 90 percent of it is written and presented by uh you know 40 uh, white men in their 40s and i say this as a white man in his 40s it might sound weird coming from me so maybe i shouldn't be the one saying it but 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 it's the truth um and um and yeah and 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 it's not obviously not representative of the uh, you know yeah. of, of the world at large and and of, of the people who want to read this stuff. So yeah. it's nice that it's changing. Yep. Now, I have another question uh, for Oriana about like is there any plans for um for like improving or changing the platform in order to improve kind of um, connections between users? Like I, I know that. Um, you know, you, you probably don't want it to make it into a social network because then people are like sharing anti-vax memes and shit like that, which, you know, nobody wants. But um, but is there like are there plans for more ways for people to connect, um, whether it's more connections with uh, between people that are creating campaigns, whether it's um you know, connections between backers or whether it's just like changes in, in the way that the messaging part of the platform is, is organized and used. Are there, are there any like community building initiatives, <clears throat> sorry, at, at Kickstarter? That's such a good question. I mean, uh, you know, let me, let me just be a little clear. I work in like a teeny analog team in this <laughs> company. Uh, I don't have the ear of like the engineering manager who like might be able to make those changes. Um, and I'm also probably not allowed to talk too much about like internal company, whatever, but um, it's stuff that we think about all the time, you know, like how, how we're making the site better. I mean, part of my job is actually advocating internally for the perspective of creators, because I'm one of the few on one of the few teams who talks to creators all day long. So a lot of, you know, the folks who are writing code and making macros and doing, you know, they don't, there have been so many fascinating conversations where they're like, we're going to do this thing. And the folks on the outreach team are like, Oh my God, that would fuck up creators so badly. Like you haven't considered this aspect or, 
quite conversely, like, oh, people are going to be thrilled. You know, like, I'm pretty sure we only just made it possible to, um, what is it called, in comments to thread comments or to like quote, quote, respond to comments. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I won't mm -hmm. say a word about why it took us that long, but anyway, like, yeah, <laughs> what a great thing. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I think that's probably the thing that I can say, you know, like we are thinking all the time about backer trust, creator experiences, you know, like what, what can we, what can we do with our resources that is going to be thrilling and wonderful, you know, for, for everyone who, you know, brings their dreams to life on our platform. Yeah, I think a lot of people aren't looking to create one more profile on one more site and they're like, you know what, I'm good with, I can comment on a creator's thing and they get back to me and, you know, but it is a, and, and Kickstarter is in, is unique in the fact that it relies so heavily on social media without being a social media platform itself. Totally. You know, so much of the promotion is Facebook kicked uh, Instagram and, uh, when, and when, when, when Facebook actually allows people to, you know, well, then yeah, that's post a whole their, their other. Yeah. And I will, I will say you're not wrong. And in fact, part of running a good campaign is like being loud on social media. It remains true that the highest conversion rate for backers is individual emails and newsletters. So I have heard, I have heard that about newsletters before. We know some people who are big evangelists for newsletters. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's amazing to me also, Oriana, how much comes internally from Kickstarter, you know, uh, uh, just just you guys promoting our campaigns to, um, you know, folks who back other campaigns. I mean, uh, th th those numbers were pretty astounding to me. And, um, and you know, it actually, um, I, you know, it was actually kind of quite stunning how little ends up coming from social media. And, and, and that's it, that's debatable because most of the people that follow you on social media know you in some way and they've they've been made aware. And so they right. may come at it from a different angle or click on a different link or, 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 or whatever. So those numbers are skewed a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, d direct emails obviously, but, but also, I mean, so much just comes from, from you guys just putting our, our, our project in front of people, whether it's on the discovery page or whether, uh, you know, uh, I back, I back Avalonis campaign and then get a, uh, get a, Oh, you might also like Gabe's campaign, uh, uh, email from you guys. Um, that's, uh, that's just, just a huge chunk of it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a big change that I noticed going from the one campaign that I did where the where the up where the you might also like were not in the update emails to when they were in the update emails. That was like, wow, like um, that was a, a huge, huge change. Yeah. So are there any other changes like down the line that we can look forward yeah. to like that? Um, you know, we're doing some new experimenting with push emails and push notifications. Um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes for stuff like that. The things with, um, you know, you might also like a lot of that is automated, not entirely. There's certainly like some work that we do, but, um, many, you know, that's a lot of that is just like properly categorizing your campaign so that it, sure. shows, you know, I mean, yeah, so that it shows up to people who, uh, would like a similar thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we definitely, I don't know. I just don't know what I, nobody's asked me about this kind of thing. <laughs> like maybe, maybe like email me and like, I could tell you some stuff more like one-on-one, -on -one, but I don't know what I'm allowed to say about like, you okay. know, our editorial and marketing, uh, initiatives and like a sorry. <laughs> sorry for being so nosy my i have two no. siblings that are in tech so i'm like so i'm getting this from them like they're asking me these questions like yeah. what's going on on the back end with kickstart i'm like i don't know 
I'm like, a lot. Just tell them <laughs> so much. <laughs> I will say that compared to a lot of other sites, you know, I've always assumed that the what you might also like was automated just because the idea of not automating it seems exhausting to me. But I will say compared to a lot of sites, it's it's a solid, like I I look at them and I go, yeah, I would also like those. Those are good. Those are solid choices. And like I said, sometimes when I have three friends running campaigns, it's like, yeah, I've, I, I'm going to back all of those. Those are all, those are all on my radar. Those are all things that I'm going to, that I'm going to invest in. That's the um, sort of like 101 level comparisons. What, what we, what there's some amount of work being done to on is like, not just like, are these all comics campaigns, you know, but right. like, what are the themes and like, right. you know, uh, are are these all queer campaigns? Are these all fantasy? Like fantasy could be a tabletop board game or a book, right. you know, like that sort of like cross category stuff. That's why I say like tag your campaign well, like please put it in the right category because that's mm -hmm. going to help with this stuff. But yeah, like we are looking into it. I have no idea how much more like uh, imperative I can be about it, but like ways to subcategorize and ways to find those connections that are not so obvious. Mm -hmm. campaigns to surface them to people who might also be like damn i didn't know i wanted an enamel pin set but wow this is like so much like the stuff i love i the wonder uh, algorithms can be used for good and not just evil or yeah. you know that's that's what we hope okay. there's there's a there's a lot to be said you know there's that sad moment when you realize that Amazon is better at picking gifts for you than your friends and family. <laughs> like when you're like, you know, I, my sister never got me that book, but I have always wanted that. That's a really way, way to know me, Amazon. Um, uh, one thing that strikes me, it just struck me now. You, I wonder if there's a way to uh, formalize or build into the system what we're doing informally and do a like every campaign have a, this creator recommends these four other projects. Yeah, you know? a lot of people do that in backer updates, but you're right. Yes, I've done, I, that's what I mean. I've done it in backer updates and friends have done it for me and all that, but I wonder if there might be a way of like saying, this person actually heartily recommends these three things. You yeah, know? Been, I know there were some experiments like long before my time of like curation, like mm -hmm. Hyperallergic, the art site had a page of Kickstarters they recommended. I don't know when that started, when it ended, why it didn't work or whatever, but yeah, there's certainly like over the years, people have thought about that kind of thing. Yeah, and especially like to get someone like Keanu Reeves to do, here are my top 10 favorite Kickstarter campaigns right. running right now. You know, spend five more dollars, spend 10 more dollars on the site, Yeah, you know. But it's a, you know, it's, as I said, I came to it first from filmmaking and the idea of being able to just go to an audience and say, this is what we want. And in the case of the film that I, you learn so much about what you have, we cast two leading men, one of whom had been on a cable TV series, hadn't worked much aside from that. And I didn't, I was like, yeah, he, you know, he's a great actor. I'm happy to have him in the movie he had a rabid fan base that was pretty mad that he hadn't worked since that TV series. And they yeah. were 90% of our funders. We had people in the movie who were much bigger movie stars than him, but, but like 80% of our 80 to 90% of the people were like, Randy Harrison. I'm like, really? The ninth guy on the call sheet on queer as folk was 
is the guy. That's the guy. Great. You know, but what, but the thing is in knowing that when it came time to do our post-production Kickstarter, we were like, let's order, let, let's have Randy autograph some things. Shall we? <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, the hell with everybody else. Let's have a bunch of things signed by Randy. Or can we sell Randy's clothes that he wore during the movie? That would be great. Like it just, but that feedback of like, as a Hollywood producer who looked at people's IMDBs and what their following was and how many fans they had and who was, you know, and Randy's not on social media, but that's exactly why his fans were hungry for him. And the other people in the cast, like, yeah, I can see that guy in anything. He's in a hundred other movies. I don't give a shit. Randy Harrison isn't in a hundred other movies. So here's a bunch of money to make damn sure you get to make your movie with Randy Harrison. All that to say, it's just the, as a tool for knowing your audience, it can't be, like it really can't, but because it's not someone clicking a button and voting on who's your favorite movie star. It's someone saying, here's $30 to make damn sure this person is in another movie. Here's $30 to make sure your comic drawn by that woman is the thing that we get next from you. And that's the, you know, that's the supreme value of it is that ultimately you are finding the audience for your stuff. You're finding out who they are and uh, finding out what they want most, even if it's a movie with Randy Harrison. Yeah. I think we might, we might need to uh, hook up with Randy Harrison and get a uh, comic yeah, right. project. Get coming. Randy and some comic books. Yeah. Yeah. But, might uh, be we, next, uh, we know when you're about to launch. I can uh, see if I Yeah, can. exactly. Get, get, the, get, the, get the lad on Kickstarter. But yeah, it's, right. you know, that, that connection with that audience and people to whom you know, that, that movie was a, a gay themed romantic comedy and we had someone who gave us a ton of money and we were just like, why does this random person? And they sent us a personal email saying that they were raised by a closeted lesbian woman who was haunted by being in the closet her whole life. And she felt like giving money to our sweet little gay movie was like, paying back and this person gave us so much money we dedicated the movie to their gay aunt <laughs> like we we're like wow. well we wouldn't have been able to make our movie without your love for your your aunt so we'll dedicate the movie to her uh in appreciation of that but that but that's the thing is like you find the personal story you find that you know in the before times you know, what have you got? You've got the five letters that get published in your monthly comic, maybe if your comic has a letter column. And that's it. You know, it's like all of the online hate, like the online hate campaigns about The Last Jedi. I was like, people felt the same way about The Empire Strikes Back, believe it or not. But that was reduced to three letters in Starlog magazine. <laughs> the million people that hated Empire Strike. It's half a movie. Han Solo dies. I, I, he's not her. Darth Vader isn't Luke's dad. We had all of that in 1980, but it boiled down to three letters in Starlog magazine. So you had no idea that that represented what percentage of the audience. And now they can all talk to you, <laughs> you know, and that's good and that's bad, but you definitely learn who's out there, you know. And, uh, and, and Kickstarter is currently, and for the near future, the best tool for, you know, artistic expression to those people who are going to love the thing that you are making. Golly, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, you know, Ryland and I are obviously big fans of it and big fans of, uh, you know, 
I mean, I, I road tested with Kevin Eastman having a new comic by a legendary comic creator and not getting traction. And we were offered deals, but he was like, why don't we just not owe anybody that we have to listen to their opinion? And why don't we just do the thing that we want the way we want to do it? You know, and that's it. If you're, if you're really into this to make something that, you know, that means something to you, that's irresistible. You know, that's ultimately, and on that positive note, we should wrap up for the, for the day. But uh, we usually like to end by going around and saying, where can we find you and what do you got coming up next and all that. Gabe, you have a Kickstarter right now. That will, yes. the, the link to it will be in the comments to the video, I'm sure. But tell us about it. It's called Into the Wilderness. It is um, a spinoff of my other comic, Formali, but you don't have to have read Formali in order to enjoy it. It's, um, well, the, the elevator pitches after a deadly explosion rocks the New Jersey forest, a talking dog named Caprica and her stoic human partner named Schneider go on the hunt for a killer. It is um, uh, a gritty um, kind of noir inspired um mystery story with some Western elements in it, all set in the backdrop of the abandoned things in the New Jersey forest, which is where Formali takes place. And as, as part of it, um, when we hit the $3,500 goal, um, every backer at every level gets digital copies of Formali. So even if you haven't backed Formali and want to read it or, or have backed it and, and already have it, you will, you will have all of those comics when the Kickstarter funds. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and there's lots of other, cool and exciting rewards as well. Thank you. And Oriana? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Oriana, B-K-L-Y-N. We have discussed my affection <laughs> for my, my hometown. Uh, yeah, um, what do I have coming up? I don't know. I tweet good comics campaigns all the time. <laughs> uh, what I have and coming are up, you, are you, have coming up are you, is your campaign that you're going to tell me about. And uh Slide on into those DMs. Let me know. What I was going to say, are you are you open to fans reaching out to you through Twitter? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. My DMs are open. And please don't send me anything mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk to folks for sure. Great. Where uh, where can we find your book? Oh, um, it's in stores. When you can go to stores, it's in museums. I know the Brooklyn Museum stocks it. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually looked in a minute. I mean, because yeah. I haven't actually gone anywhere in a minute. But it's on. It's, okay. The publisher's not really. Yeah, I mean, it's for sale on Bookshop. It's for sale on <clears throat> that other big one that people go to to buy books. But please buy it from Bookshop. Buy it from an indie. <laughs> don't don't go to that other place. <laughs> Sorry, can I can I plug my podcast? I forgot uh, again. Oh, go ahead. I, yeah, I my brother's gonna be so mad at me. He listens to me on all these podcasts, and I keep forgetting to plug our, our podcast that we do together. So I, I host co-host a podcast with my brother called Another Lousy Millennium. It is a Futurama fan podcast. We go episode by episode, summarizing, analyzing, and quoting every episode of Futurama. We are finishing up um, the, the final episodes and they're getting published now. And we are starting what we are calling um, our victory lap where we're not quite done with the series. We're going to do some really fun kind of wrap up episodes where we talk about our favorite our favorite uh, cameos and our favorite bad guys and things like that. But we have almost done every single episode of Futurama and all of the movies, um, almpod.com at ALM on Twitter and Facebook and uh, another lousy millennium, wherever fine, uh, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Nice. And Ryland. 
I am at Ryland Grant, R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T on all uh, forms of social media. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just uh, drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. So now I'm stuck with it. So now I got to spell it for you. Um, as I said before, uh, my kick you in the teeth, not anywhere else, Avalone, my kick you in the teeth uh, paranoid thriller uh, set in the world of astral projection called The Jump is uh now available and thriving hopefully on uh on uh, kickstarter i know it will be um so uh yeah uh issue two is being kickstarted now if you missed out on issue one that's no problem this is your uh, opportunity to catch up to hop on the train uh plenty of opportunities for you to catch up there um plenty of great rewards um uh you know we'll draw you into the book uh uh, uh we will uh you know artist commissions we'll put you on a cover uh, you can become a uh, producer on the TV uh, film property, um, all sorts of uh, good and crazy fun stuff there. So uh, go take a look at it. Uh, you can find it at bit.ly backslash the jump to um, I'm sure the uh, info is in the uh, the show notes also. So check that out. <clears throat> you can also get uh, uh, copies of everything else I've uh, I've done uh, uh, via that campaign. Also uh, uh, sign copies of Aberrant and uh, Banjax and, the peacekeepers and all that noise. I'm losing my voice right now, so I'm gonna kick it on over to you, Avalani. Uh, my website is uh, davidavalonefreelance.com. It's not davidavaloni.com because GoDaddy are bad people. Uh, <laughs> another story entirely. But um, I also do another podcast called Pulp Today, where I read classic literature and drunkenly uh, talk about it for a few minutes. Um, and yeah, but the links to everything are on my website. The last time I was in Brooklyn, I went to the Brooklyn Museum. I did not know to pick up a copy of your book. I think my wife wanted to see the Dior exhibit. I think there was a Christian Dior exhibit there, a costume uh, clothing exhibit. It was really great. It's a beautiful museum. Um, visit visit the Brooklyn Museum when in Brooklyn, because uh, it's really great. And then walk over to Prospect Park. Um, anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for being on the show. We will catch you on the next exciting episode. Thank you Thanks for, for listening. Me. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Our pleasure. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more Madcap Hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.